Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. And um, we're continuing our series on transformed. But I'll start with something funny. Did you hear about the manager that was sent to this low-producing office? And he was sent there for one reason, that is to clean house. And so he went into the office with a vengeance. And he was letting people go right and left. And it was such a fervor in the audience, that those, uh, in the office, that those people that were left, they were just like on pins and needles. And then he walked in, and they, he saw this guy standing at the front. He looked at him and he said, how much do you make a week? And the guy said, oh, about $250 a week. He said, if I give you $1,000, will you promise never to look at me again? And uh, he said, yes, sir. And he pulled out $1,000 and gave it to him. And he walked out. And the, the folks in the office were looking stared with bewilderment on their faces. He said, now, what's wrong with you? He said, we're just trying to figure out why you gave the pizza guy a $1,000 tip. Well, we're winding down our Transform series. We've got this week and next week. And this series is about a change, changing from the inside out. I believe this series is about true potential. I believe it's about possibilities in your life. And I pray that it's not only about that, but it is something that changes you to put you on the path that God would have for you. It's all based on one verse of scripture from Romans chapter 12. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we've been focused on how do we think new thoughts? How do we have a mindset change? Because I really believe that as a man thinketh in his heart, as a woman thinketh in her heart, that's what she becomes. And so our goal is to change the way you think, to broaden it so that you could think new thoughts. We started this series off talking about our spiritual lives, and we wanted to think new thoughts about your spiritual life. And then we talked about your physical and your mental health. Last week, Pastor Mo talked about your relational health. And so today, we want to talk about your financial health. You know, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven or hell. In fact, in Matthew, Mark, um, and Luke... We see one out of every six verses is about money or money management. Why do you think that's the case? I think he, Jesus knows that money has a way of dominating our lives. We, we spend a lot of time thinking about it. We spend a lot of time working for it, earning it, studying it, saving it, all of that. It's important. So here's the big idea. If you don't learn how to manage your money... It will manage you. If you don't learn how to manage your money, it will manage you. And so over the next few minutes, we're going to talk about that. But I just want you to lean in and just understand today's going to be really, really practical. And so it's my prayer that, that some of you will hear some just the practical steps and you'll say, okay, I'm going to try that. My goal is if you could somehow walk out of here with just one or two new thoughts about your finances just one or two, that I will feel like that I have done what um, the best job that I could do. And our goal is just to, to help you think. You're, you're very brilliant people. You're smart people. And I just want to help you to think some new thoughts as it comes to money. 
Now, the Bible, like I said, has a lot to say, and we're going to focus on Luke chapter 16. And it's one of the most interesting stories and really maybe uh, the mis- most misunderstood parables that Jesus gave uh, in his time here. And so here's the backdrop of it. Uh, there's this rich man who hired this manager to oversee his, his business. But this manager that he hired was dishonest, and he started misusing the company's money. Now, the word got out um, that he was misusing the company's money, and the word got back to the, uh, to the owner. And so the owner called him in and said, Look, the word on the street is, is that you're using the company's money for your own personal benefit. And I just want to find out, is this true or not true? And so we're going to do an audit here. So I need you to bring in that big book, you know, that big book of all the accounts. And we're going to go through it one by one and to see if the word on the street is true or not. Well, he said, if the numbers are off, you're not going to be manager anymore. So you need to understand that. So go get the book. So the manager uh, knew at that moment that he was caught. And that he was more than likely going to be fired because how he handled the finances of the company. And so he knew that he was not strong enough to do manual labor. And he was really too uh, prideful to to beg. So he, he developed a plan. He took that big book of accounts before he took it back to the owner. And he started going through the old accounts. And he strategically went to them one by one, and he reduced their debt. In some ways, he cut them in half. For instance, in Luke chapter 16, said uh, he went to one guy and said, Hey, you owe my, uh, my boss a hundred jugs of olive oil. Well, I'm going to cut that in half. Now you owe him 50. So he went down the list, and he made a deal with each one of them. And these folks, man, when they heard that their bills were cut in half, they were ecstatic. They were overjoyed. They said, man, we appreciate this so much. Just tell me, if you ever need any help, you know, I'm going to be there to help you. He says, good, because, you know, I might be taking you up on that offer uh, uh, quicker than you think. And so as Jesus told this story, the people in the audience was wondering, where is this guy, where is he going with this story? Now they thought, okay, this dishonest manager, he's toast. In fact, he's going off to jail in their minds. He's thinking he's going off to jail or he is going to be executed for what, how he has treated um, his uh, boss's money. And so... They had this going in their mind, but that's not where Jesus went with this parable. Jesus often uses a little shock value to get people to lean in and to listen to what he was saying. And so they were leaning in, and they were expecting that. And then Jesus said, he does this twist, that the the rich man, the owner, instead of getting upset and angry, he commended this dishonest uh, worker for taking full advantage of the opportunity and uh, noting his limited time that he had. Now, think about this for a second. Jesus is not praising this guy's dishonesty, but he's praising this guy's shrewdness. 
Verse number 8, chapter 16. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than they are the people of the light. Now, let's look at this word. What does the word shrewdly mean? mean? To be shrewd means that you're smart, that it means you're sharp, that you are strategic, that you are resourceful. Shrewd people see a problem and they work to a, a quick solution to that. They, they figure out how to rectify, to fix that problem very quickly. And what Jesus is saying here is that we need to learn that this guy was street smart that he took advantage of this opportunity. And he wants, and uh, he continues to God views wealth and money and possessions differently than we do. God views it as a tool to be used. So we go to the next verse. He said, I tell you the truth. He said, I want you to use worldly wealth. I want you to use it to gain friends. I want you to, so that when all of it's gone, you'll be welcomed in the eternal dwellings. And so what he's trying to say is that this guy, even though he was dishonest, he was shrewd, he was strategic, he was smart, he was resourceful, he acted quickly. And so the overall theme is, is that he wants you and me to be biblically shrewd when it comes to managing our resources. Okay? Biblically, we need to be smart, strategic uh, when it comes to that. So the overarching theme of this, when we're talking about this owner and this manager, the owner in our lives would be God. So the point is that God owns it all, and everything that you have, everything that I have, is own loan from him. That's the big idea. God owns it all. God owns it all, and, um, and it all belongs to him. That means the heavens and the earth and the sun and the stars and the trees and, and the planets. All of that belongs to God. All of that, God created that. You know, God created you. So you and I, we belong to the Lord. And so if everything belongs to God, then you and I, practically speaking, do not own anything. If everything belongs to God, then we don't own anything. Everything that we have is on loan from God. It is given to us for that 60, 80, 100 years while we're here. And then it possibly, it will be loaned to someone else at that point. Think about it just very practically. Think about maybe the house that you're living in or maybe the apartment that you're renting. You know, you own the lease on that apartment or you own the mortgage on that house. But you know what? The land that that house sits on, 200 years ago, somebody else owned it. Do you know that 100 years from now, somebody else will own it? You won't own it. And so we've got to think about when we look at resources, we are just entrusted. We are, in, we are managers. Here's the point. We are managers of everything that God has given us. You and I are money managers. We are resource managers. And God wants us to be smart, strategic. He wants us to be shrewd, biblical money managers. Next verse. said, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone 
else's property. Who will give you the property of your own? So think about that. Everything that we have belongs to the Lord. It has been given to us on loan. That means our gifts, our talents, our resources, everything belongs to the Lord. So let's look at this passage of Scripture and say, okay, what can we learn about finances? We talked a lot of things about thinking new thoughts and transforming our mind. Is there any folks here that need some new ideas when it comes to money? I think all of us do. And so over the next few minutes, I'm just going to be really got a little pr- practical on this. And, uh, and maybe there will be one or two ideas where you'll be prompted to say, okay, I've got to handle that tomorrow. Or maybe I've got to do that today. And that you're going to be just prompted. So just get ready and just, uh, just be open. Because one thing may speak to you and uh, something else may speak to somebody else. But overall, I believe that every one of us can become better money managers by embracing four principles from Luke chapter 16. The very first principle is very simple. It's be honest and truthful. Be honest and truthful. In this parable, even though the manager was commended for being shrewd, he still lost his job for being dishonest. Okay? He was commended for being smart, resourceful, but he still lost his job. When you deal with money, make it a point always to be honest. To be truthful. In our world, this should go without saying because if you're dishonest, you're going to be caught. You're going to probably uh, pay a fine. You're going to go to jail. And so there are clear consequences for dishonesty. So I'm looking at a, a group of people today that by and large, you're honest people. We deal with people honestly. And it's interesting that you deal with people, and many of you are writing contracts this week, and and part of that contract is the very fact that you're going to do your part, and they're going to do their part, and you're going to be honest in this. And then maybe, on the other hand, you're, uh, uh, you're buying and selling things, maybe off Facebook Marketplace, maybe off of something else, and, and you're just going to be honest, and you're going to tell the person, you're going to just be, you're going to shoot straight with them. And so that goes without saying. So we're pretty good at being honest with other people. But here's where we're not good at. Oftentimes, we are not honest with ourselves. We have this tendency to lie to ourselves when it comes to money. We lie to ourselves. We struggle with this. Because it's easy to lie about money. It's easy to live like we just won the lottery when in reality we haven't won the lottery. And that's a whole different sermon right there. But, you know, it's easy to live above our means in this culture. Because we live in a plastic culture where credit just flows freely. And so credit gives you the ability to... Uh, to drive better cars, to live in better places, and just to, to create this, uh, this persona that you uh, are, have this level of lifestyle. And that can be a very dangerous place. Now, I do believe that money is a tool to be used to meet the needs. And so, but you really have to have a balance here. Now, when Patty and I first moved to Augusta, we fell in this trap that so many young couples fall into. 
We wanted to live at the same level of the people who are 10 or 15 years older than us. Okay? And so we came to town, and so what do you do when you come to town? Well, the first thing we did, even before we got here, a couple of days before we got here, we bought a car. So now, um, we, you know, we bought a car, and we were in an apartment, and they said, okay, we need to buy a house. And so we bought a house, and back in those days, you could do things um, that you can't do today. And I'll never forget, our real estate agent said, look, we know you don't have enough money for the down payment, so here's what you do. You put all your money in your savings account today, and we're going to check your savings account. And then I want you to move it over to your checking account. And then we put all of our money in our checking account the next day, and she checked our checking account. So voila, you have enough money for the down payment. And you wonder why there's a mortgage crash. We're the reason of that. And so, I mean, you know, we've never done this before. We said, okay, you know, and she gives it, this is what you do, and this is what we did. Now, in the days of electronic currency, no way does that ever happen, I don't think. Um, But that's, you know, so we started moving on. Now, here's another thing. So this was within the first six to eight months. Now, I just graduated from um, graduate school, and uh, you know what happens, like, I think it's nine months after you graduate? Ah, uh, student loans. But you have this grace period, and it's not like you had a lot of folks checking up all and all this stuff. And so uh, we didn't think anything about student loans. and never had to you know, deal with that. This is new. And so here we are now, have a car payment. We have a house payment. We have student loans coming. And then uh, uh, Patty's pregnant. And then our first son had medical issues, uh, died after uh, seven days, and we had that going on. So all of that was going on. I was making $20,000 a year at that point, okay, which is not enough to finance the lifestyle that I just explained to you, okay? And so we convinced ourselves that we could afford everything that we had and that living with financial pressure is just normal. It's just what you do. It's just what you do. We were not honest with ourselves. What happens when you lie to yourself about money? You start to move in and out of credit cards Because you have this promise over here, zero interest, and you try to beat the system. And so you have this this consumer debt over here, and you're trying to roll things over and try to beat the system. And and before you know it, it's going to catch up with you. And it was catching up with us, especially when that was happening, car repairs happened, and all of this. And we're just trying to keep our head above water. Now, on the outside, we were a very... Um, good young couple. We had two cars, we had a house, we had this kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, on the inside, we had stress and we had pressure and we had difficulty. And there were times when if you could go to our pantry, there would not be food in the pantry. That was how it is. I'll never forget, sometime after that, we were at church one day and a lady named Rose Wilkerson who went to the church, she was a prayer warrior and she came to us and she said 
I was praying this week, and the Lord told me to give you this, and she handed us an electric frying pan. Now, anytime somebody gives you something, you always be gracious and kind, and you thank them. And then we thanked her, and we walked away and said, what in the world are we going to do with an electric frying pan? Seriously. Like, what do you, an electric frying pan? We're carrying that home from the church, an electric frying pan, and so we put it in the cabinet. Now, here's what we didn't realize. We didn't realize that some time later that our stove was going to go out and that we did not have the money to get a new stove. And, and that electric frying pan became our stove and our oven for the next three months while we scrounged around trying to get it. And what we understood at that point is, is that she did hear from the Lord and the Lord uh, supplies the need oftentimes even before you realize you have a need. You know what? That's been 30 years from, uh, ago. Do you know if you go to our house right now, we still have that electric frying pan? Now, we haven't used it maybe a couple of times in the last three to five years because, you know, we move every seven years, so we purge. So we don't have a lot of extra stuff. Since we, we just take it to goodwill. But we have never gotten rid of that electric frying pan because it is a reminder to us how God will meet your needs. And he will meet them oftentimes when you don't, before you even realize you have a need. But it all comes of being honest with yourself. And so what I'm saying to you is that so many times we lie about money. We think, you know, if I just turned a blind eye to this, that oh, it'll work itself out. Money problems seldom work themselves out. They need your attention. They need uh, you to look at this. And, and one of the worst things that you can do is to ignore one of those financial red flags. You know that financial red flag that comes up and says, you know, uh, you need to be careful. You need to watch out right here. Uh, we just ignore it and we just kind of throw that into the back of the drawer and everything. It's thinking it's going to work itself out. It's not going to work itself out. There's one Bible verse that I quote oftentimes, and I, I use this over and over. It's Proverbs 27 and 23. It says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Now, this is writing to a group of uh, farmers, so he's using those type of languages. Maybe today, know the condition of your stocks. Uh, but here's the point. You need to know the, your financial condition. You need to know what's going on. And you need to give careful attention to it. Don't look the other way. But let's just be practical. Be brave. Look at it. Figure this out. You need to know what's going on. So what does that mean very practically? You need to go home and find out how much money you have. Okay? Have you looked recently? Do you know the condition of your flocks? Do you know really just practical? I'm not asking you to do anything. Just know it. Uh, you may be fearful about that. You may be scared of that low number. My goodness, it's toward the, uh, getting toward the end of the month. And we know sometimes we run out of money before the end of the month. But you need to know that. Another thing, just very practically, don't leave your credit report untouched. But know that number too. I think you need to just be very practical. You need to take advantage of any kind of work benefits. Maybe if your uh, work has a 401k match, you need to be doing that. So it's just some practical things like that. 
But most of all, I want you to go home today and I want you to close the door. And you say, what do you mean close the door? There's money flying out of your house today. I am telling you, it's some of you got the doors open and the windows up. And like this money was flying everywhere, that's your house. It's just flying. It's flying. It's going out. And you don't even know it or you choose not to know it. And so you say, well, okay, what are you talking about? Well, how about this? Are you a part of any kind of subscription-based service that you're not using? If you are, there's money flying out of your house. If you're not using it, oh, well, I may use it. That's what I tell myself. Oh, yeah, and when I may use it, uh, it'll be there. No, go pause that subscription. This past week, I was thinking about this, and I looked at my own life, and, and I had... Um, a $6 a month subscription, and then I had a $9 a month subscription, and I canceled both of those. And so you say, okay, it's $15. Come on, it's $15. Well, you know, after 10 months, that's $150. You know, before long, that money that's just, you know, slipped, it is so minuscule that you don't even recognize it. But it, before long, it adds up. So I just want you to know the condition of your money. Know the condition of your house. And I want you to close those windows, shut the door, and stop letting it fly out. You know, and, and some of you may have other things that you are, uh, that are sitting in your, let's say you've got an extra car or so. Um, how about this? Sell that car and pay off debt. If it's, a, you know, I've heard this oftentimes. Uh, well, it ain't costing me anything. Well, it is costing you something. You just don't even realize that you're, it's costing you insurance, then it's costing you upkeep and, and that kind of stuff. So start just to look at what you have and just be very practical about it. I need to move, uh, move on. But that's part of being shrewd, being uh, um, smart and strategic. And verse 10 said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with a little can be dishonest with much. If God knows that you're going to be honest with what he is going to give you, I believe he's going to uh, bring increase into your life. I believe he'll bring promotion into your life. I believe he'll bring blessing into your life. So here's the second thing. I said there's four things that will help us manage our money. The second thing, I want you to make as much as you can. I want you to roll up your sleeves, and I want you to make as much money as you can. Money is to be used for God's purposes, um, but it is not a tool if you don't have any. Practical enough? If you don't have it, it's, you don't have a tool. Money is a tool. Use worldly wealth, it says, but if you don't have any money, then you don't have the tool you need. So figure out how to make some money. Now, in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents, the owner entrusted these servants um, with talents, but the NIV says they're actually bags of gold. And we see uh, verse 16, it says, The man who received five talents, or five bags of gold, went out at once and what? Put his money to work. He put his money to work, and he gained five more bags. God has given you this ability to create wealth. He has given you this ability to create wealth. Some of you are good with numbers. Some of you are good with your hands. Some of you um, are good with people. 
And so start thinking about this ability that you have to make money. Okay, let's be practical. Okay, I need to make money. Well, let's start with the job that you have right now. Do you want to make more money? I want you to be the best employee in the office. I want you to show up um, and go to work. I want you to be the best. And I believe that if you work hard, you are going to benefit from your hard work. This is the message of Proverbs 14 and 23. It says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. You know what I've noticed? There's a, some folks, not in this room, of course, they like to sit around and talk about making money. They, also, they just want to talk about it. And they talk about it and they talk about it. And they, don't have, they don't roll up their sleeves and do it. Enough with the talk. Roll up your sleeves and do it. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk, man, if you're just talking about money all the time, Paul, talking about making money, but you're never motivated to go out and do something about it, this is what your life's going to look like. You're, gonna, you're on the wrong path, according to the Bible, okay? All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty, okay? And so, I just want to encourage you to... Roll up your sleeves, go to work. And you know what? I believe that you'll get a promotion. Now, here's the very practical thing. You may not get a promotion where you're working. You may have topped out in, a, at your office. But I do believe that all hard work uh, will bring a profit and that you will benefit in other ways or other people will notice your talents and will reward you with, according to your abilities. So, how about this? How much money can we make? So, how much? Uh, you know, how much can we make? You know, as a Christian, how much can Christians make? Okay, that's a question you probably never thought about. Um, and you probably never heard uh, this in church before. But let's talk about it. How much can you make? I want you to make as much money as you can as long as, four things, as long as it doesn't hurt your own health. Okay? Some people literally work themselves to death. They amass this personal fortune and they work so hard to have a heart attack. Um, and we, in our culture, we look at those people who we call workaholics that just want to work all the time and we call them heroes. We need to be careful. Scripture teaches us that health must always take priority over wealth. Proverbs 23, what does it say? Do not wear yourselves out to get rich. Do not wear yourselves out. Some of you are saying, wow, I didn't know the Bible was this practical. It is very practical, okay? Do not wear yourselves out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. And so I want, to, I want you to make as much money as you can, but don't wear yourselves out in doing so, okay? Here's the second one. You make as much money as you can as long as it doesn't hurt your family. There have been too many homes that have fallen apart because the kids are being ignored because the parents are off working trying to make money to buy the kids stuff. And give the kids experiences and do this travel and do that and all of that. 
I just want you to have a balance here. I want you to understand your kids want you more than the stuff. And so make as much money as you can as long as it doesn't hurt your family. The third thing is you can make as much money as you can as long as it doesn't hurt other people. You know, in this world, uh, it's this dog-eat-dog world, and, and you're trying to rush to the top, be careful. You've got to treat people fairly. You've got to be um, good to people. In this very passage that we're talking about, Luke 16, the manager was audited because he was misusing the company's money. He was dishonest. He was hurting other people. You see, dishonesty hurts people. And you may not think, oh, it's just a little bit. It's not going to hurt. But ultimately, it hurts people. And so I want you to make as much money as you can as long as you don't hurt other people. And, and uh, finally is this, and this is, to me, one of the most important. You can make as much money as you can as long as you keep your spiritual life on the same level. This is a principle of balance. As long as my spiritual life is growing at the same rate as my financial life, everything's cool. Make it on. Just bring it in there, okay? But here's the point. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish that you may prosper. I want you to prosper here, but notice this. And be in health. You've got to take care of yourself. Don't wear yourself out. Even what? As your soul prospers. You've got to focus on your spiritual life here. You can prosper, and be in, uh, but take care of your body and make sure your soul is in order. God wants you to live a, a balanced life. So, we're going to be honest and truthful. We're going to make all we can. We're going to what? We're going to save all we can, okay? Save. Good managers, great managers, don't spend everything they make. They know that a rainy day is going to come, that the car is going to break down. This winter, maybe your, your heater is going to go out. Uh, the, you know, good managers know that things happen. This world is passing away. Things break, okay? Things break. And, and maybe, uh, you know, some of the problems that you have financially, it's no fault of yours. It just happens. It just happens. And so you've got to figure out uh, how you can manage that. So one way to manage it is you, you manage it by saving. We save money, I think, for three reasons. First of all, when we save money, it keeps us, uh, it prevents us from impulse buying. Have you ever noticed when you save money? And you have this uh, stash here, and then you have this impulse over here, and you say, man, I really want this, but then you think, man, I got this, and it took so long. It really curbs your, um, your desire for other things. And so saving money has this way of keeping you in check. Proverbs 21 and 20 says, the wise have luxury, uh, have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. The wise, the wise people with their money have wealth and luxury. They're wise with their money because they know what it means to save. Why do we save? It allows us to help other people when they have a need. You know, you're over here and, um, and you have the resources and oftentimes the Lord's going to bring um, somebody in your path because you are going to be the miracle that they have been praying for. 
You're the miracle. You're the one that's going to help them. And so the third reason is uh, gets your money working for you rather than uh, you working for your money. It's about investment. You're going to save that money. It's working for you. So we're talking about uh, be honest, make all you can, save all you can. The third thing is give all you can. We're talking about giving regularly here at Stevens Creek. Um, we have a generous church here, and so many of you, you give to see the work of the Lord continue and expand in this community and around the world. And we believe in giving, and it's not mandatory, it's not uh, out of compulsion, but, but God wants us to give out of a cheerful heart. And the Bible says that God will give seed to the sower, and, and that he will give us this money that we have an opportunity to plant in his work, and that that, that money will come back and produ- produce a harvest of righteousness and a harvest of blessing. And so when we think about giving, the Bible talks about that in terms of the tithe, which is a percentage giving plan, that you set aside the first 10% of uh, what you make and it goes back to the Lord. In other words, you make $10, you give a dollar to the Lord. Now, very practically, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need my money. But why does he want us to participate then? Because he wants your heart. Because God knows that Whatever you put your money in, that's where your heart's going to be. For instance, some of you uh, just bought a, a new car. You put your money in that car. You love that car. And you can't wait to get home to clean it up because you want it to shine because you have that affinity, and that's a great thing. I love a clean car. Or you have a house, and so you're putting your money in that house, and all of a sudden you love that house because whatever you invest in, that's what you love. The reason he wants you to invest in his work is he wants you to love his work. Because when you invest in that work, that's where your, uh, your focus is going to be. Here's the point. Put God first in every area of your life because God is more interested in your heart than he is in your money. And we're going to go back to where we started in Luke chapter 16. The very last verse of that parable No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. You see, we worship God, and we realize money is a tool. That's where you have to understand. You worship the Lord. God is the giver uh, of all good things. Every good gift and perfect gift comes down from the Father of life. So we worship him, but the money that we have is just a tool. It's just a tool to be used. Now, the verse, to back up that previous point, was for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God knows that my heart will follow my money. So this parable that Jesus gave about this dishonest manager who is commended for being shrewd, but he lost his job for being dishonest. But he was called into account. He was called to give an audit of the big book. One day, the big book in heaven is going to be open. The Lamb's book of life, the scripture calls it. And there's going to be an audit of our lives. Do you know that when you stand before God, he's going to ask you two questions? Two questions. This would be your final exam. Have you ever thought about that? 
Okay, because in our mind, we are already working up this long diatribe of what we're going to do to convince him to let us in. But it's just two questions. The first question he's going to ask you is why? Why should I let you into heaven? You ever thought about that? What if God said, why? Give me, why should I let you into heaven? Well, the answer to that question is this. Because I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's about a heart thing. It's about giving your heart to him. It's about Jesus paying the price, buying your ticket into heaven. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's Jesus has already paid the price. You know, all that money, that uh, effort you're putting to buy back gold, I'm sure God's laughing at us because his value of gold, it makes good pavement because the streets in heaven are paved with it. So what we're just trying to work to get, he paves with. Why should I let you know? Here's the second question. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? This is a question about stewardship. All of us have talents and treasures and we have our time. We have all this ability. What did you do with it? Give an account of your one and only life. Did you use the gifts? Some of you are so talented. You're, you're so gifted. Are you using those gifts in a way that honors Him? So I just want you to think about that. I want you um, to just be open to God's promptings in your life. And I want you to be open to a serious conversation with these two questions. A serious conversation. What are you going to do when you stand before God? How are you going to answer it? Now, you don't have to be fearful. And this whole um, message is not trying to make you nervous or, or anything else. It's just to be, again, it's just so practical. What are you going to say? In a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray and and maybe your prayer today is God I need help because I just don't know what to say except help me save me make me into the kind of person you want me to be or what you do with what I gave you God help me to use my resources in a way that will honor you so it's time for us to pray and I want to pray over you and I want to lead you in a prayer are you ready Father I thank you this day for the opportunity to present the scriptures and hopefully it was presented in a way that people can understand it. And I pray, Lord, that that if there are people here watching uh, in the auditorium or in the video venue or maybe they're watching online that have never made a decision to follow Jesus, let this be the day they say, Jesus, I need help. Say that. Say, Jesus, help me. Say, Jesus, save me. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and make me the kind of person you'd have me to be. Fill me with your spirit. And Lord, as I pray these prayers, I ask that you would do as only you can do. Bring freedom and joy. And Father, we pray not only for them, but we pray for people that have other issues today, people that are struggling with finances. I pray, God, that you would make a way just like you gave Patty and me 
an electric frying pan because you knew that we would need that. God, I ask right now that you would meet the needs of people even before they know they need it. So God, let your favor and your, let your blessing be upon us. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.